Hello and welcome to the She Leads Her Life podcast. I'm your host, Jenna Schneider, and I am ecstatic to have Phoebe Lapine here with us today. I read Phoebe's back book, um, The Wellness Project, back in, I want to say it was 2015. I struggle with Hashimoto's as well, and maybe it was 2016, and it was a game changer for me. Not only that, it really gave me a sense of comfort that someone else was going through something very similar to what I was experiencing at the time. And so I am just honored to have her on the show today. I will kick it off over to her and let her introduce herself to all of our listeners today. So thank you for being here today, Phoebe. And could you introduce yourself to our listeners? Sure. Thank you so much. And I'm so glad that you found the book helpful. It's exactly what I was going for, you know, <laughs> helping other women going through the exact same thing, feel less alone. Um, so yeah, I have been work- working in the food world and now the health space um, for the last decade. It took a long time for my food journey to intersect with my health journey, but that's kind of what I write about in the wellness project. But at the time I was working as a private chef and caterer and teaching classes and recipe developing and doing 101 things involving food. Um, So therefore, you know, making any dietary changes for my health um, was both emotionally challenging and challenging for, you know, being someone in her mid-20s trying to get, you know, a new career off the ground. And yeah, it just had a lot of come to Jesus moments around that and just feeling very overwhelmed by um, the kind of gap between the conventional side of the health conversation and the holistic side. Um, Of course, the conventional side doesn't really talk about food as medicine at all and just gives you a pill. Um, But then the holistic side, you know, can be really, really challenging too. It can be very overwhelming and it can honestly feel like a lot of these recommendations um, for, you know, everything you need to detox from your life um, are not being made by a real person leading real life in the real world. Um, And so, yeah, I just felt very much constrained by my social life, my budget, my space. um, And that was kind of why I decided to write the book, The Wellness Project, and kind of take on the real life project, which was just figuring out a way to slowly, over the course of a year, make over my health on every single side, every single facet, one change, one month at a time. And, you know, it was everything from getting my sleep habits under control to getting my stress under control to figuring out how to hydrate right and switching a lot of personal care products over to naturals, you know, things that were on a very long to-do list that felt super overwhelming, but when done kind of step-by-step um, felt a lot more doable. And I think kind of the the central part of my I don't know, not thesis or <laughs> hypothesis was, you know, I really just wanted to find, you know, the things that were worth my time, money, and energy. And it was like a philosophy that I call healthy hedonism, um, which I've (laughs) loosely unofficially defined as the Venn diagram where the things that nourish your body meets the things that feed your spirit. And even as I've faced, you know, many other health challenges since writing that book, since my Hashimoto's diagnosis, uh, that is always kind of like central to my work is, you know, really just making sure that healthy living doesn't, um, 
stand in opposition to you actually enjoying your life. Mm, I love that so much. I have a public health background. And so that just resonates so strongly with me. Speaking of your spirit, I always like to ask my guests, how is your head today and how is your heart today? Oh, well, we chatted a little bit before we started recording, but they're both good. I'm just very tired um, (laughs) because I'm not used to talking to people this much and, you know, being quote unquote on. Um, It's such a different energy um, in quarantine life um, than I'm used to. You know, I'm just out of practice being this social. I mean, I feel like 2020 really reinforced the fact that I am not an extrovert. I just act like one a lot of the time. (laughs) Like I was perfectly happy like the first few months I was like, oh my God, like I feel rested for the first time. Like not only just like getting a good night's sleep, but I think it's just, you know, everything I was putting on my calendar and all the FaceTime just, just really taking its toll energetically. So, And in case the listeners don't know, you live right in the heart of New York. I do. I'm in Brooklyn, um, which is fun. And it is really nice to be able to walk out of my house and like see people. But mm. <laughs> you know, there's also a lot going on in normal life when, it, when the city is open, mm. wild and free. Um, there's a lot of temptation to overload your schedule with lots mm. of amazing meals and cultural events. And I very much miss those things, but yeah. I will not be... Um, resuming the pace as it once was. I think that is such a good takeaway for so many of us to just really take a look at the pace we were all living pre-pandemic and what we can strip away and be intentional about the things that we do want in our lives to stay. You touched a little bit on about being tired and having to be social. Let's just dive right into it. Why have you been um, so busy these last few weeks? Yes, forgot to mention that because I have a new (laughs) book out. Um, My latest book is all about kind of my wellness project 2.0. It's called SIBO Made Simple, and it's about um, a niche yet very, very prevalent um, type of gut dysbiosis. Um, Dysbiosis just means an imbalance in the bacteria in your gut microbiome. And SIBO is small intestine bacterial overgrowth. So it actually doesn't have to do with good versus bad bacteria. They're just in the wrong place too far up the intestinal tract. And the irony of the wellness project for me is that I really thought I knew everything there was to know about gut health (laughs) by the end of researching it. Because obviously autoimmune disease really does boil down to a lot of dysfunction in the gut. Um, But I hadn't come across this particular condition. And in fact, you know, every bit of advice I had learned about dietarily what I should be doing, you know, taking my probiotics, eating fermented foods and inulin rich vegetables and lots of fibrous legumes um, is directly opposed to Mm -hmm. the advice for someone who is SIBO. And I really learned that the hard way in the aftermath of my book tour for the wellness project, I, seven months after was just feeling all these horrible symptoms. And I just doubled down on the advice from my gut senses for that project and was just making myself more and more miserable until eventually I got this diagnosis. And it was so, I mean, it was such a fascinating 
experience researching for researching this specific gut condition because again it was like it flipped a lot of the advice that mm-hmm. I'd gotten before on its head and it's not to say that that advice is bad advice but I think it's so important for awareness around SIBO because a lot of people with IBS the underlying cause is SIBO and that's mm-hmm. you know the most prevalent gastrointestinal diagnosis Mm -hmm. in the world. Um, So it's kind of just a sign that you need to help get things specifically back on track um, using strategies that are often the opposite of (laughs) what those microbiome specialists tell you to do. Because when your bacteria are too far up and kind of competing for your nutrients, um, they eat their favorite foods and they release gas. And that gas is what can be so uncomfortable because it's no longer near an exit ramp. Um, the majority of your quote unquote good gut bacteria that everyone's talking about, it's actually really only in your large intestine. Um, there's no role for it in the small intestine. So when there is this population eating your food and releasing gas that can cause so much inflammation. And for me, one of my, my main symptoms was burping, which was mm-hmm. weird. But again, like it's just the gas searching for a way out. Absolutely. And then a lot of people with SIBO just have this, like the bloating and the distension is so uncomfortable because that gas gets trapped there. And then there can be a lot of kind of autoimmune type symptoms um, because the bacteria can mess with your gut lining and uh, contribute to leaky gut, which means that you may get food sensitivities or just various forms of inflammation like different skin conditions or joint pain or brain fog, um, weight gain or weight loss, depending on what type of bacteria they are, um, or sorry, what kind of critter they are. Um, Cause there's, something called archaea too, which can overgrow as a different kind of SIBO. Um, so it was all really interesting. I found that there were no adequate resources out there. So like, once again, I just wrote the book that I needed at the time. Um, and I started a podcast on it too called SIBO Made Simple. So if anyone wants to check that out um, for some free resources. Um, but yeah, after interviewing like over 50 practitioners, the book kind of combines all of their advice into one place and also combines my actual expertise of creating really delicious recipes um, <laughs> into like the cookbook mm-hmm. side of it. Food really is medicine and Something that I love about your work, Phoebe, and the research that you do is you take a problem that you are impacted by, but then you do the work so that you can then share that information with others. I'm going to be really honest with you. I don't, I consider myself, I have a master's in public health. I taught at high, I taught health in high school. I taught at local universities. I feel like I'm pretty well read (laughs) on different topics, including health topics. I had never heard of SIBO. And so I think this is amazing that you are getting this information out there. And I have to ask you a little bit about how did that come about, your journey come about of being diagnosed with SIBO and finding the right doctor? And was it you that had done the research in behind um, what SIBO is? Or was it a doctor that said, hey, I think it might be this? How did, what did that look like, that process? Yeah, so it was a doctor. I was super lucky, you know, kind of in doing a lot of the, the legwork 
during my Hashimoto's journey, you know, I found a really capable team. Um, my doctor is definitely more on the holistic functional side, but he's an MD. And yeah, when I described my symptoms, he immediately told me to get a SIBO breath test. I'd never done a breath test before. It was all very new to me. And I had kind of heard about SIBO in passing, and I'd certainly heard about the low FODMAP diet as something to be very helpful for IBS. And it always confused me, again, because kind of the list of no foods is exactly what every gut scientist will tell you to eat to foster good bacteria. Mm-hmm. Um, so that honestly was just like kind of an ongoing question when I was researching the wellness project, like why does this diet help people? Um, so SIBO was kind of you know the aha moment because it makes so much sense if you just take away your bacteria's favorite foods, of course you're going to feel better. You may very well impact your large intestinal microbiome negatively if you stay on that diet for too long. But of course, if you have some sort of overgrowth, it's going to at least help you get some relief in the short term. Mm-hmm. Um, and what kind of foods would that include that you would want to remove right away? Yeah. So it's a really tricky diet. Um, The biggest triggers for a lot of people are garlic and onion and then legumes. So beans, chickpeas and whatnot. Um, But then there's just a whole kind of hodgepodge of really healthy, nutritious vegetables that are high in inulin and kind of prebiotic fibers that you know, are great for, for fostering good gut bacteria, but you want to reduce them on a SIBO, on a SIBO diet. So things like asparagus, artichokes, um, Brussels sprouts, a lot of the cruciferous veggies and, um, cauliflower is a biggie. It's a lot of things that you find in healthy foods, which I think is also why this can be so frustrating. Because again, it's like, if you're like savvy in the wellness space, you're like, oh yeah, of course I'm going to eat my cauliflower Mm -hmm. pizza crust and use cashew cheese on it. Cashews and pistachios are two other biggies. And you know, these are things I was doing too, and just like making myself miserable. And I was like, oh yeah, like I'm going to, instead of my regular GF pasta, I'm going to have chickpea pasta, you know, and just eat look I don't know lentils for dinner and absolutely yeah, it I used lentil meatballs last night yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well if you can tolerate it that's wonderful but a lot of people out there may be really frustrated because they're like I'm doing everything right I'm eating really healthfully I'm eating what you know all these gut scientists are telling me to eat and I'm just miserable mm-hmm. um so It is definitely something to investigate. Um, The book really takes you through kind of everything soup to nuts from symptoms to testing to what the hell you do for treatment, how food factors in. And then of course, it's just got a lot of great low FODMAP recipes in there. Um, And again, the diet is so complicated and it's portion specific. So, you know, some ingredients are okay in certain quantities, but you'll like tip, tip the scales too much if you overload. Um, so there are like some really, I think, fascinating learnings to be had from it. It's, I eat everything now, but it's honestly changed the way that I design a meal or, um, you know, orchestrate my plate because I'm not going to have like a huge, I'm not going to roast the whole head of cauliflower anymore and have half of it. I'm not going to have like a giant side of Brussels sprouts. I'm going to just have a lot more things on the plate in lesser amounts. Yeah. Yeah. What, take us through what your average day, so what types of foods do you like to get up and eat? What time for lunch, for dinner? Um, what type of foods have been serving you really well? 
Yeah. I mean, I'm not great with breakfast. Like I just never have time to make it. Um, and I don't care that much. Um, another thing with SIBO is honestly fasting really serves a lot mm -hmm. of people, um, yeah. and meal spacing. So since I work from, I've always worked from home, even yeah. <laughs> pre-quarantine, I'll usually probably just like eat a early lunch around 11 if I'm hungry. Mm. Um, or if anything, just like a quick smoothie for, mm -hmm. for breakfast. Um, maybe now that I'm eating some dairy, uh, like a little bowl of yogurt, but it's not, it's not a very exciting affair. I honestly, I'll eat like savory leftovers for breakfast if some exist and I like don't need it for lunch. Um, yeah. that'd be yeah. a good breakfast for me. Um, so yeah. And then lunch. I mean, honestly, it's all sorts of stuff now. Um, I've been eating a ton of the recipes from my book now um, since I'm remaking all those dishes again. Um, but, you know, I keep it fairly simple. Like I have some sort of um, protein at lunch, like usually an animal protein, some veggies. Um, usually it's just whatever's left over from the night before though. But my husband's been a pescatarian now for a year. And so I get my meat in on like my own time <laughs> uh -huh. during the day if I need it. And then dinner time, yeah, we make a lot of like um, fish focused sheet pan meals and- um, Oh, I love a good sheet pan meal. Uh, they are too. just- the best. And I'm so excited for your book to come out because yes. I know you're going to have some sheet pan. Oh, I've got some delicious sheet pan meals. I love in there. that. It's so, really especially for um, cleanup, I feel uh -huh. like, especially in a pandemic, and my husband and I have two children, and we've just been cooking a lot and home <laughs> a lot. And the fact that you can cook a good, nutritious meal all in one sheet pan, yeah. and then you just have the sheet pan to clean up is just it's amazing. Fantastic. So I'm excited about that. Good. Yes. Well, I'm just as lazy and as everyone. <laughs> like I really am a very lazy cook, always have been. So I'm all about the one pan meal of any kind. When my husband cooks, bless him. I mean, he like you know, it's so nice to be cooked for it, but like he uses every utensil and every pan in the kitchen. And then of course, you know, he cooks, so I have to clean. And yep. Yep. I know we have the same rule in our house as well. 2020 has been really difficult for so many people. What has been inspirational to you throughout this past year? Oh my God. Um, well, certainly pairing back on some of the things that weren't necessarily serving me energy wise. Yeah. Um, it's been really inspiring for me, honestly, to do the work that I do. I have, um, a course that I do a few times a year. That's, that was designed off the back of the wellness project. It's called four weeks to wellness. And you know, when things were hit in the fan in April, that's when I normally do my course. And I was so nervous. I was like, I can't do this right now. Like who wants, like, who cares about what I have to tell them about in their health? Reality, we need that more than ever. I know. I know. I was yeah. like, well, who needs the stress of this? No, it was my yeah. most popular session <laughs> yet. Yeah. And a lot of people, I mean, I think really started to try and investigate some of their, some of their health issues this year. Um, it gave people a little bit of space as much as hard as, you know, homeschooling and all of the pressures of family life have been, you know, being moored at home does give us a little bit more control and a little bit more room to, you know, try and troubleshoot. I mean, certainly doing an elimination diet is no fun when you're socializing. So when you're forced to cook all your meals, as we all have been, <laughs> it can be a, a bit easier. <laughs> 
<laughs> so true. So I've been really inspired by that and also just really inspired by everyone cooking. Like I mm-hmm. have a lot of friends who are just like diehard restaurant eaters mm-hmm. and seeing their creations sent to me like really has warmed my heart. Like I have a friend who's just, she's hilarious. She's like a fashion girl and she just, you know, like is the type to keep sweaters in her mm-hmm. oven and she's started sending me all the pictures. Oh my gosh. Is that a New York thing? The keeping sweater? Cause my really good friend, they recently moved here from New York and she was telling me that many people use their ovens as extra storage. I mean, I don't know that I know anyone who actually does that, but it is the joke. It is the okay, joke. Okay. Um, but yeah, she was so funny. And she's like, Phoebe, cooking's easy. It's not that hard. I'm like, I know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that is a good point though. In reality, I think there are a lot of people that are intimidated yeah. by purchasing a new cookbook or they see someone on TV making a meal. And it's so easy just to order in takeout or do mac and cheese or anything like that. But when you really do get intentional and sit down and read through a cookbook and see, I mean, a sheet pan, it's literally cutting up vegetables (laughs) a lot of times, putting it some olive oil on and sticking in the oven. Now I'm sure your recipes are a little bit more elaborate than that, (laughs) but it's, you know, it really, once you start getting in the habit of it, it really can be a fun experience. And even if you have littles, too, teaching them how to cut up different types of vegetables and whatnot. Um, I want to do a little bit of shift and talk. There are a lot of women that struggle with autoimmune diseases in our country. And it is a silent topic that many women have found themselves chronically living with, but yet not having outlets to talk about. Yeah. And your first book was so comforting to me because I had many of the symptoms that you talked about in the book. And I was recently diagnosed with it, but had been living with a lot of the symptoms before I was diagnosed with it. It took me going to my doctor and saying, Hey, can you check for this? Because, you know, and it comes back, Oh my gosh, your levels are off the chart. Right. And so people that are out there, especially women that are out there living with autoimmune diseases, what advice would you give to them right now? Uh, Well, you definitely have to advocate for yourself 100%. I mean, I just recently got asked um, by someone, you know, if my general practitioner like won't do the test, like the full thyroid panel that you recommend, like, what do I do? And I'm like, that's crazy. Like if you ask a doctor to do more tests, like it's simple blood tests. Like if they won't do it, like you have to find a new doctor. And I know there are of course insurance constraints and whatnot, but like there, there will be a general practitioner out there who will just run the test. I mean, that's what they're good for is like, just all they have to do is submit the test. You can interpret it yourself or go online, you know, do what you need to do. But, um, at the very least you should push and force whoever your practitioner is to do the testing that you want. Um, and I do think that every woman should have a full thyroid panel done every single year. Like it's a necessity. Um, most people just check for TSH, which 
kind of tells you, it's like the thyroid's barometer for how well the hormone, like what your hormone levels are. But there are times that that can be suppressed. Like it's really important to see the full picture of how it's responding to the various levels. And then, you know, to check for the actual autoimmune component, um, the antibodies. I think, you know, Another thing is celiac disease is so underdiagnosed and undertested for, and a lot of people just do an elimination diet and try gluten-free and they're like, oh, I feel so much better. But in reality, like that's a dangerous disease. Like you got to check for that. Um, and so long as you are eating gluten, there is a blood test. Um, there's also genetic testing that you can do. Um, so yes, obviously stick to your guns, be your own advocate. And then, you know, I hate Facebook, but it is an amazing place for finding, you know, like-minded groups, especially yeah. for SIBO. You know, I started a group off the back of my podcast and now I have a, a one going for the book and it is amazing and it really does warm my heart. Like a lot of people coming in who are just like, no one in my life knows what this is like to like yeah. not be able to eat things and feel okay afterwards and to just like be constantly having to dig for answers. Um, so I think it's important to find your communities and mm. solidarity in those um, and resources. You know, that's just an amazing source of sharing resources. Mm. Absolutely. What has been your favorite books? I know you are an avid reader as well. What have been some of your favorite books? I love asking my guests for inspiration on different reads that they've had lately. Yes. So it's funny. It's like no, I read only like novels and like memoirs. I, I like really had to stop reading health books after the wellness project. I like OD'd on them. Uh -huh. So I read a lot of novels this year. Um, one of my favorites is called Nothing to See Here. Mm -hmm. um, I don't want to like give away the premise. It's like slightly um, fantastical, magical realism, but like set in a very like realistic, um, female, troubled female heroine, um, <laughs> real life circumstance. It's really fun. Um, and a quick read, uh, homegoing as another beautiful book that, um, it's incredible. Every chapter is kind of a short story, um, about beginning in the age of slavery and it's tracks two sisters and then every generation, one of their descendants until present day. And it's a beautiful look at kind of the history of slavery in our country and kind of how that trickles down through the ages um, until, you know, of course, where we are today in our country. But um, it's just gorgeously written. Okay, and I learned a lot. For sure. Yeah, it's amazing. It down. It's called Homegrown. Homegoing. Homegoing. Okay. Homegoing. Yeah. Um, and then the last one, I just finished Hamnet, um, which is uh, on like the New York Times top five fiction for last year list. And it was excellent. It's about, it's a historical fiction about Shakespeare's family, specifically his 11 year old son, whose name was Hamnet, um, which I guess is like kind of interchangeable with Hamlet. Mm -hmm. um, it's like the nickname version. And he dies of, well, I, okay. He dies when he's 11. <laughs> comma, it's a book about the plague. So it's very timely, but also <laughs> yeah. like, it's just amazing. Um, yeah. like to, to think about, you know, his secret family life. I don't know how much, I mean, I think she took a lot of liberties in terms of yeah. the fictional elements, but it was yeah. beautifully written as well and really good. I love that. I love that.
What are some of your hopes and prayers for 2021, Phoebe? We're into a brand new year. I don't know about you, but this week feels a lot lighter. Yes. A lot brighter. Um, You know, it's like, well, first of all, goodness, I hope we can get this pandemic under control. I do feel hopeful um, that we'll be able to regain some of our normalcy by the end of the year. Um, And yeah, I mean... Personally, I have, you know, I always have a new wellness project every year. Some sort of issue finds me. A lot found me in 2020 because 2020 was the worst year ever um, for everyone. And um, for me, I'm going to be focusing on my oral health in different ways um, because I had a lot of dental problems last year. So that's kind of what I'm looking out for there. Um, But then, you know, um, last year was funny. My husband and I always choose like a theme for the year and um, we don't really do resolutions but, you know, just kind of like acknowledge some things that we want more of. And obviously last year didn't go according to plan, but, you know, I think this year is like a really good opportunity to put some of those lessons into practice. So my word for the year is surrender because as much as I was forced to last year, I can't say that I was like intentional about it. I definitely like fought it at times this year. I'm like truly just like, we cannot plan for anything, no expectations, no goals. And my husband's is minimalism, which also I think stems from those lessons of 2020 and just, we don't need that much. Like we don't need that much stuff. We don't need that much space. Like we can get back to basics. Mm, That's beautiful. Your surrender is very similar to my word is embrace and Mm. same concept, just embracing where I'm at, where my family's at, what is, and focus on what I can control and not focus on what I can't control. Love it. I love that. In your books, I see a theme of healing, healing the body, the mind, the stomach, the spirit. What does healing in 2021 look like to you? Oh, um, well, there's some micro <laughs> dental things that need to get taken care of, but um, I've just been, you know, I think that the mental game is the hardest and it's always, you know, such an important layer for, for healing. And there is an aspect of just like, positivity and also whittling down the the surrender there um, to just not trying to control the moment. And I've been doing a lot of work through like hypnotherapy and um, meditation to try and get myself there. So that's kind of where my healing is going to take place this year. That's beautiful. Well, Phoebe, thank you so much for your time today and sharing your light and your wisdom and where can our listeners find you? Um, thank you so much. They can find me at feedmephoebe.com for recipes and some free resources around SIBO. You can also find my podcast there. And then to check out the book, um, you can go to SIBOmadesimple.com and there's a little freebie that's only be going for a little while longer for the early bird orders. Um, you get free access to my gut heel boot camp, um, which is a really great five-day kind of kickstart. Um, so yeah, you can go there find out where to order the book and um, submit your receipt if you want to check out that free resource. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Phoebe. And just to reiterate, this episode is brought to you by JennaSchneiderCoaching.com. And we are all wishing you 
all light and love, good energy and wellness for 2021. So thank you for being here. Thank you.